Welcome into another edition of the Jaguars Reporters Podcast. J.P. Shadrick with Brian Sexton and the Jaguars heading into week 13. The Cincinnati Bengals come to town for Monday night football and we'll get to that matchup coming up. But one final bow on the Jaguars-Texans game, Brian. and Big bow another, coming out of Texas. Yeah, I mean it was huge because you know, all three phases contributed in a big way in this game. The quarterback played big. The wide receiver in the third quarter, Calvin Ridley, played big, got all his numbers in that quarter. Josh Allen had sacks and key moments on defense. Special teams, yeah, they missed a 55-yard field goal, but McManus was big. I mean, it took all of that to have the field goal hit the crossbar at the end. (laughs) So, what a win. You know, uh, what stands out to me is the Monday morning after the Jaguars were blown out by the San Francisco 49ers, it was it was pretty clear that if they just got these next two wins at home against the Titans and on the road against the Texans, they'd be eight and three, you know, with their arms around the division title, right, uh, and right where they wanted to be. And they went to Houston to take on a hot team. I mean, C.J. Stroud is a media darling yeah. and a team that a lot of people picked to beat the Jaguars. They just thought, well, even though the roster isn't as good. Because you can't look at that roster objectively and say that the Texans' roster matches the Jaguars. But they had been playing well. They're a very well-coached team. And everyone's like, yeah, here's the upset, and the Texans are going to take the division lead. And so the Jaguars went into a game that kind of had a feel to me as big as, if not bigger than the Niners. They needed to win this one. There was legitimate pressure on them. And they won. They they fell down 14-13, to went right down the field and scored a touchdown, uh, yeah. went right back down the field and scored a field goal, yep. and said, okay, we've got a 10-point lead. Now you kind of have the, the hand on their forehead like the, the big brother to the little brother, and you can't hit me, right? You can't get me. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Josh Allen stepped up. So it felt like a big game. It was a big game. And for a team that needed to prove it could win one of these kinds of games, especially on the road, JP, it stood out to me as being a game that the Jaguars won that was must-win and it really sets them up well for the next six games. Yeah, and let's get into that a little bit because right at the end of the game, at the end of that 1 o'clock window, the graphic pops up on the screen, Jaguars' number one seed in the AFC at that moment, which is a little eye-opening. It's like, wait a minute, okay, if these other teams do play later today, the Ravens are playing later, the Chiefs are playing later, but at that particular moment, for three hours at least, the Jaguars were the number one seed. That's how fine a line it is. Well, you're playing one of those teams head-to-head coming up in a couple weeks in Baltimore. Already lost to Kansas City, but they've got the Packers this week and in Lambeau, and we'll see what happens in their schedule ahead. So it's within reach. And my thought is, how does this team handle that? Can they go get that? Are they motivated by that? And I'm curious to get in the locker room this week to see if it's even on their mind. I think it is. Just in talking to Josh Allen a little bit and kind of getting the sense that he was really stung by what they did out here against the Niners. He more than any other player that I talked to because he's been here through the bad times and he knows these are not those times. And yet, if you watch that game from the stands or on TV or listened on the radio, you thought, oh, same old Jaguars in that, in that game against San Francisco. And he wants to prove that they're not. Um, here, here's what stands out to me. This thing is setting up for the Jaguars to be able to take a swing. I'll go all the way back to 1996. You, know, you had injuries that kind of set the Jaguars up on that run, right? Everything kind of fell into place for them, and then they took care of business. Okay, well, this was supposed to be a marquee game on Monday, and Joe Burrow's not playing, and okay, you should get that one, right? Then you go to Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland's on their what? 
fourth and fifth offensive tackles, backup quarterback, backup to the backup quarterback, now backup running back, and the best defensive player in the league, Miles Garrett, is going to be day-to-day with a shoulder. Okay, you maybe go get that one too, right? Then you come home against the Ravens. All right. That's the one. That's the big boy one right there. Line up and play. Put your hand in the dirt. Let's go. Because then, right, you get the the Panthers, Mm. the Bucks, the Panthers, and the Titans. You should get those. This is setting up for the Jaguars to prove it. They can. I don't want to say they should yet, but, man, they could. And what fun that would be. Can you imagine this team with a home playoff game after a bye week? Mm. Yeah, that would be Okay, I'm dreaming slick. too big at this moment. I know. No, it's but... not too big. It's right there in front of them. You know, it is. They do have to have a little bit of help yeah. with the Kansas City thing. They can go beat Baltimore and win the rest of these things and stay ahead of them. They can go get it. And it is within reach. It's not an impossible dream. Here's what's fun. Week to week, you're in control of your destiny, but you're also interested in the scoreboard. Remember last year you were looking to see, did the Titans lose? How's this thing setting up? Okay, if we win this week, this year it's just win, and then what are they doing? I mean, it just it could be a ton of fun around here. And this is a real growth curve. You remember last year the Jaguars were winning at the end and they had figured it out and they were having to win every week and their back was against the wall. Well, this is the 180-degree opposite of it. So you're learning how to be a front runner, which I think Doug has kind of alluded to. We've talked about. Can this team make that transition this year? Well, we're about to find out. We are about to find out. Uh, plenty ahead. We're back in a moment. And some Monday Night Football history, some trivia, I'm sure. We'll have some answers to it, Brian. It's Jaguars Reporters. Welcome back to the Jaguars Reporters Podcast. J.P. Shadrick and Brian Sexton. The Jaguars coming off a win in Houston. They've won seven of the last eight. They're now an eight and three record. First place, two games clear of Indy and Houston in the AFC South. Keep talking, it sounds great. Currently the number three seed in the AFC well, this week, it's Monday Night Football, and the Jaguars' last appearance on MNF was 2011. And think about this, Brian, the transition time from then to now for the Jaguars' organization. I've thought about it. The week before that game, Mr. Weaver announced that he was firing Jack Del Rio and selling the team. Yeah, The Jaguars lost that game on Monday night. The next week... The league approved the ownership sale to Shad Khan. His first appearance at a game was in Atlanta the next week. And then he took over, certainly, at the start of the 2012 season. I looked it up again the other day. I couldn't even believe how many of these changes had happened. Four GMs or VPs of football ops in that time frame. Six head coaches, including an interim. Seven, if you want to count Mel Tucker, in the last part of that season, 2011. Um, nine different starting quarterbacks, and now they're back on Monday Night Football. It's After a mountain that, we've climbed. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. And, and I said that to a, a rotary group last week. You realize that the last time that the Jaguars played on Monday Night Football, Mel Tucker was the head coach, right? And Wayne Weaver was still the owner, and Blaine Gabbert was your starter, and you got blown out 38-14 to 14 by the San Diego Chargers. So... A lot has changed. That year, they went 1-1 one and one on Monday Night Football. They beat the Ravens here 12-7 behind four Josh Kobe field goals. That was the infamous game where John Gruden called out Gabbert, recognized, well, this guy's not comfortable in the pocket. And from that moment on, everything spiraled downhill. So I'd like to go back to the very first Monday Night game, right? Here, 
against the Pittsburgh Steelers week three of 1997. Mark Brunel had been injured in New York. Jesse Armstead put his helmet into his knee, ended up tearing his ACL, but he didn't have surgery. And all week long leading up, he had missed the rest of the preseason. He had missed the game in Baltimore, the game against the Giants. And the, the, the anticipation was, would Mark Brunel play? And nobody knew. I was walking down the hallway, and I saw him walking with his Bible in his hand. And I go, it looks like you're going to play. And he just kind of <laughs> smiled at me. And he walked into his you know, pregame Bible study routine. And I went, he's going to play. And he stuck his head out and he goes, shh. The crowd didn't find out until introductions that he was going to actually start the game. And I'll never forget the roar. And, of course, the way that that game ended. Um, Jaguars went 11-5 that year. They got beat in the playoffs. But that was that's one of those moments. And then I know you were here for a big game against the Steelers. You were in the stadium. Yeah. You showed me a picture. 06. Right. Yeah. That was a 9 nothing game. It was the Scobie game, yeah. It was a, it was a magnificent night. They had the, uh, the thunder sticks. It was, it was like the foam white yeah. stick thing. Yeah, yeah. And when you hit them together, they made a noise. Yeah. I mean, it was It's crazy. The Jaguars have played 15 Monday night football games, not one since 2011. So it's been a long time. Eight and seven, um, all time on Monday night football. I just get used to it. The Jaguars are going to be an attractive draw. They're a good team with a hot young quarterback. And I'm going to make a prediction right now that next year, the Jaguars-Texans game in Jacksonville will be a Monday night football game. Oh, you're calling it now. I'm calling it right now. It's a lock? It's, it's, a, a, it's a double lock. It's a double lock. My gosh. We <laughs> That's got what Pete and Tony do, right? Yeah, we had a triple lock last night. That's another story <laughs> altogether. Uh, you know, the the theme song this year on Monday Night Football is I Can Feel It Coming in the Air Tonight, yeah. Chris Stapleton. But it's I, an awesome I, job. I kind of lean towards Grateful Dead. What a long, strange trip it's been. It has. It, I mean, it really has. And to all those people who are long-suffering Jaguars fans who, who felt like after 2010. Because, you know, people forget that in 2010 they went 8-8. Eight and eight. And at one point they were 8-5 and five and they went to Indy that year with a chance to win the division. And both David Garrard and Maurice Jones-Drew had knee injuries and the Jaguars lost that one and then they lost the remaining three. And from that point, it just spiraled away. Winning is so hard in this league. Consider this. The Jaguars took over last Sunday with 9.15 to play Mm -hmm. at the 46-yard line with a 10-point lead, okay? They killed two minutes and gave the ball back at the 45-yard line. The Texans scored a touchdown, uh, forced a punt, and drove for a game-winning field goal. It's so hard to win. 10, 11 years of just, ugh, right? Um, for for fans who've suffered through all of that, I, I hope they enjoy every second from the first moment of their tailgate to the lighting the, the, the lighting thing that they're doing here. I wish you could describe it better. It's going to be epic. I have no idea what it's going to be until I see it. Uh, it's uh, a QR code and a phone. I mean, I, I I remember the days when they had <laughs> laser light shows. The um, it, it, it's it's going to be a celebration of the start of this era of Jaguars football where you're on prime time, and it's tough. Primetime's tough for everybody because the next morning comes a lot quicker than a 1 o'clock start on a Sunday afternoon. But I think people are going to enjoy it. I think so. And uh, the Cincinnati Bengals come in without their quarterback. They've got some questions there. They're kind of on the bubble and trying to figure things out down the stretch. So go take advantage of that. I know that Trevor said that he'd rather have other teams not be as good. But I was really looking forward to this because I love Joe Burrow. I mean, I... I love to watch him play when he's not playing the Jaguars because I think he's got this Tom Brady quality to him, this this just, you know, cold heart. 
you know, oh, and, yeah. and could just just slice you up. I, I sat in the end zone and watched him do it in the AFC title game a few years ago in Kansas City, and I was just amazed at how good he is. And I think he and Trevor are tremendous, and I was looking forward to it. Okay, now you got to go win it. But it's going to be fun regardless. Hey, guess what? We're going to have this history conversation again in two weeks for Sunday night football. It's been even longer for the Jaguars. We haven't had a whole lot of that. Uh, Great stuff, Brian. Thanks. Enjoyed it. Brian Sexton, J.P. Shadrick, Joe Fortunato. This is Jaguars Reporters.